Good morning, everybody. Um, I have the great pleasure of introducing my friend Andrew Sharp this morning. So, yeah, come on. He's good looking, too. A little bit of man crush going on. <laughs> He's, they don't. All right, so uh, just a couple of things. One is how do you explain, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 30-something years, and how do you introduce somebody um, without, like, making it sound, you know, kind of weird or whatever? I've already done that, so we'll move past it. Um, but let me just tell you a quick story. Um, most of you guys know years ago, uh, a few years ago, I, had, uh, I came down with pancreatitis in Denver, Colorado at a conference. <clears throat> they put me in ICU. It was, I was in ICU for eight or nine days. It was really touch and go. It was a really scary situation. And uh, in the middle of my drug haze <laughs> and just being almost dead, um, I look up and Andrew Sharp walked in the door. He hadn't told us he was coming. He, he was somewhere, uh, somewhere else in the country. I think he was actually in Greenville, maybe coming mm-hmm. back with your brother. And he dropped him. His brother dropped him off in Atlanta. He caught a flight, and he flew out, and he just walked into that ICU room with us. And uh, again, we had people there from the conference, which was awesome, but we didn't have our family there. And when Andrew walked in, first of all, I just I, I, did, I couldn't say anything anyway, but I, I can't explain to you what that meant to me. But when I watched him walk in, and I watched my wife, just walk over and just fall into his arms, and he hugged her, and he loved her. He didn't say anything. He just loved her. I can't explain what that means, but that's who he is, <laughs> and I love him, and uh, you know, I, I remember when we first came here, he was, he was a son, but it wasn't very long that he became a father in this house, and he's been that ever since, and he's going to be a father to fathers, and I love that, and I'm excited about their journey, so let's just welcome Andrew. Love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Dave. Let's just um, let's pray. If we can, Lord. We just uh, we continue to welcome you to have your way. Uh, we want to be a people who, like Moses said, if you're not going, we're not going. Lord, we only want to go where you're going because we've seen the fruit of of places that we go without the presence of God, and it doesn't produce, Lord, things that are worth what it costs to run that race. And so, Lord, we just welcome you and say, come, Holy Spirit, and have your way this morning. In our hearts, in our lives, in our cities, in our families, our neighborhoods, and the nations, come and have your way. We exist for you to give you glory and honor and praise. So we bless you this morning, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So, yeah, as Dave said, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Andrew Sharp, and um, my wife, Jamie, of 17 years and our three beautiful kids that I'm in love with. And yes, uh, Andy, who's 14, and Charlie, who's 12, and Sellers, who's six, who constantly reminds me that I do not know how to parent very well. Don't you love that? You get in seasons of life and you think you got it figured out, and then something comes along that very quickly reminds you that you do not have it figured out. So we're the Sharps, and... Three years ago, DCF planted us out, sent us out into the city of Greenville, South Carolina to plant a church. And before I get to that, though, I just want to say I'm so honored to be from this house. My, my parents uh, were a part of the team that helped plant this church over 40 years ago. Um, I grew up in this church I discovered who God was in this church. I discovered who the Holy Spirit was in this church. I discovered that you can't really run very far away from God in this church. Yeah. 
you know? I have multiple memories. My, my family, we used to sit over there, and I remember raising my hands and for the first time and, and feeling what that looks like to worship in new places. I remember, you know, in my head at least, getting saved for the seventh time up here because I desperately needed God to show up yet again in my life. And I'm so honored to be from this house. I'm so proud to be from Dothan Christian Fellowship. This, this house sent me to the nations. And uh, I think it was 2001, sent me to the nations for the next seven years. This house received me back when the Lord called us back to the states, when we didn't want to be back, but the Lord called us back because there was something he needed to do in our hearts about understanding what, what local healthy church was really supposed to look like. And this church sent us out again three years ago. And so I'm so honored and proud to be from Dothan Christian Fellowship. And so, uh, but yeah, so... DCF planted us out three years ago. They sent us to Greenville, South Carolina to plant a church. And I don't know about you, but often in my journey, what I think it's going to look like turns out to be very different than what it actually looks like. Even though I have big expectations, I have big faith, I have great vision at times. Jamie may disagree with me, but I have a great idea of what it can look like. It's good and it's God. But when I get there, I find that Oftentimes, it looks very different than what I had in my mind and in my heart. But I often find that because it's God, it often looks much better and even bigger than what was in my heart. And I'm so grateful that, my, that God's just been kind to the sharps. God's kindness, right? It says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, that metanoia to change our mind, to, to think differently about him, which ultimately leads us to living differently. But it, I love that, that it's not... It's not, it could be a number of things, but it's his kindness. He chose, like the order, he chose that it would be his kindness, that the love of God would be the very thing that would turn us from our wicked ways and turn us into this place of righteousness in Christ Jesus. It's his kindness. I'm so grateful for that. And so DCF plants us into Greenville three years ago, and, and about six weeks into the journey, we realized that it's already starting to look differently than we thought. And the Lord connected us with a couple who, who lead a church called Hope Church. And we, we really just went to the church because the Sharps don't know how to not do church. And so even as we're getting ready to plant a church and beginning trying to gather people and to build this thing in our home, we, we, wanted to have a se- we never wanted to have a season that we were removed from church. And so we connected with this local church called Hope Church. And they're in Spartanburg and in Simpsonville, kind of right around the Greenville area. And we just sat for a season. But we began to discover that it looked like God was doing something a little differently than we had planned. It looked like God was beginning to connect us with Hope Church, not just as a place of rest for a season as we gathered to plant, but possibly to come in and plant together. Because little did we know, or they know, that God had put Greenville in both of our hearts independently. And as we begin to have conversations with the leadership team there and begin to share our heart and God's desire for us to plant in Greenville, and we begin to hear their heart, to see a new campus, to see a new church star in the heart of Greenville, and they just haven't been able to get in yet, it just began to seem good to us and the Holy Spirit that maybe God's plan all along was for us to do this together. That even though we love local church, that our true allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And those aren't exclusive. But while we love local church and we believe local healthy churches God wants them to be everywhere, on every street corner. At what time in my life I believed that America didn't need any more churches. And I couldn't disagree with myself anymore than I do now. That we need gospel preaching, spirit-filled, good, governmentally-led churches everywhere in our nation. 
Because Psalm 68 says that's where he sets the lonely. It's in families, healthy biological and healthy spiritual families. That's God's plan A for the lonelies. Our job is to be good, healthy families that the Lord can trust the lonely with. But so we, we begin to ask ourselves this as we got to Greenville and we saw a church on every street corner, literally every street corner. In Greenville County alone, there's over 700 churches. So we begin to have a real honest conversation as we should of, are you sure, Lord, this is what you're saying? And the latest survey that came out that said, while there's more churches than ever, over 78% of people in Greenville County are not a part of a local church family. So there's more churches than ever, but there's more people than ever that aren't attending those same churches. And so we just said, okay, Lord, we will trust you. And so we've partnered with Hope Church, and we're getting ready this fall to plant Hope Church Greenville. And so we're incredibly excited. Uh, it's Most days are full of new things that we are, do not know what to do and that we're having to learn and grow and trust and keep growing and keep learning. But God's been so kind in the process, so kind. As we come into the city, we're aware of we're a part of something significant, that we're not bringing the Holy Spirit to Greenville, South Carolina. He's been there for decades, doing a good work, preparing, we believe, for such a time as this. We're seeing churches begin to unify and connect because we're becoming so aware that we humbly are a part of something that's bigger than any one local church, that God's wanting to do something in a city, in a region, that he ultimately, I think, wants to do in the nations. And we when it comes to a move of God, I don't know about you, but I just want to be there. I don't know that I care what my role is. I'll, I'll sweep the floor. I'll open the door. But when it comes to God bringing revival to a city and literally transforming a city, not just on a Sunday morning, but to literally reducing the poverty rate, right, to reducing the crime rate, to reducing abortion in the city, to seeing the divorce rate reduced, to seeing small business and entrepreneurship grow. I want to be a part of that. I just want to be present as God comes in and as he transforms a city and a region. And that's what we believe God's getting ready to do. That's where our heart is. And so we've been gathering for the last three months. We've been gathering people who are interested in being a part of the church. We've been doing these things called intra socials where we come for just an hour, people in the community, and we connect over coffee and dessert. We share a little bit of vision, but for the most part, we just connect. We want people to connect with each other because a lot of us, right or wrong, don't often go to church because of vision. We go to church because we like the people that go to that church, right? And so we want to do life with those people. And so we wanted to have create these environments where people can see the kind of people that are going to go to Hope Church. And so we've been doing that for about three months and gathering and gathering. And just recently, we've pivoted to the launch team, the team that's actually going to plant Hope Church. And Jeremy, if, I think we got a picture back there. You got it ready for me? So this is going to be a picture of our launch team. So this is our team that's being prayed for. We're basically being commissioned to the city. This is at one of our other campuses in Simpsonville. And so this is the church, and that's our lead pastor, Pastor Rich Butler. Uh, and they are just commissioning us into the city of Greenville, South Carolina. And so this is the church. This is a group that's going to plant Hope Church Greenville. And so I want to say, I, I just want to say that this is to your credit. That's just the way the kingdom works. That when you plant, when you sow seed, whether that's money, resources of any kind, people, when, when they take new ground, the things that happen 
through them are now in heaven to your credit. And so the salvations that have already happened in Greenville are to your credit. The healings that have already happened in Greenville. I shared one last night of one of our team members who had some, uh, some, some physical and sexual trauma in her life early on. And since that time period, it had almost daily or nightly nightmares about those events and could not get breakthrough. And recently went up to get prayer at the end of a service. Was prayed for. God delivered her. And then as she was walking back to her seat, someone else came and had a word and said, I don't know what you were just being prayed for, but the Lord wants to say that what the enemy meant for evil, he's going to bring about good. And not only since then does she not have nightmares, but instead of nightmares, the Lord's returned prophetic dreams to her. And so I just want to say that's an example of what's to your credit. Another one of our team members, healed of Lyme disease, healed, documentation of healed, uh, an awful diagnosis of Lyme disease in and out of the hospital, and the Lord has healed him completely. And I want to say, DCF, in heaven, that's to your credit. And so the marriages that will be restored, the people that will be set free, the, 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 the territory that's going to be taken in that city for the kingdom of God that the gates of hell will not be able to stand against is to your credit. And I want to say thank you so much, DCF, for being first and foremost a people who serve at the pleasure of a king, that we don't serve at the pleasure of our own agenda and our own self. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for loving our family well. Thank you for being obedient to, to be voices of God for who we are. In seasons when we didn't know that about ourselves and being committed to, to echo God's voice to us and being committed to see us accurately in the Spirit. And I love that. I'm so honored. And I want to say that the Sharps cannot tell the history of God in their life without DCF. The Sharps will never be able to talk about the history of God in their life and what's to come in our kids and in their kids without DCF. And I just want to say thank you. You guys are incredible, and I'm so honored to be a part. And I love what what Karen prayed earlier in the transition. God's kindness to us and that there's nothing that we do back towards God or towards people that God hasn't already done for us, right? That we only get to love because why? Because he loved, loved us first. The Sharps only get to say yes to this new adventure with God, and you only get to say yes to what God's called you to be obedient to because he first said yes to you, right? We can only forgive because we've been forgiven. We can only serve because it said Jesus, being in very nature God, right, took all that off and came to serve, even to death on a cross, We can only serve because he served us. And we can only honor because he honors us first. He placed the highest value on our lives that it will require the death of a son to purchase us. And so I want to talk for just a few minutes this morning on what I believe, if I remember correctly, was the first series that Dave preached on at DCF. And this this truth of the culture of biblical honor. So what is biblical honor? In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, honor means to respect, to give weight or authority to, and to treat with favor or to highly value. So honor means to respect, to give weight to, and to treat with favor or high value. That's what it means. But here's the thing. Honor is displayed in three different ways, in word, in action, and in attitude. And so I think for many of us, the first two we do really well. We're great with honoring 
what God's doing, honoring Him, honoring those around us with our words, and oftentimes even with our actions. But a hold up for me at times, I'm not sure about for you, but I think for many of us, is not the first two. It's the third. It's our attitude. Is that we can struggle at times in honoring with the things that's in our heart, but true honor, Scripture speaks to, always starts in the heart. Right? True honor is not just something that we say or just something that we do. True honor, true biblical honor, always originates in the heart. Because Matthew 15 says that the Pharisees honor me with the lips, but what? But not with their hearts. The Pharisees honor me with their lips, but not with their hearts. So God's call for you and I is to begin to honor, not just with our words and with our actions, but to let honor begin to originate in our hearts. Because honor is a lifestyle, right? It's not just a moment. Honor is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of stopping to celebrate and embrace the people and places that surround your life. Let me say it again. Honor is a lifestyle of stopping to celebrate and embrace the people and places that surround your life. Because the majority of people around you are under-celebrated. The majority of people around you are under-celebrated. Why? Because most of the time we're moving at such a warp speed through life that we never slow down long enough to celebrate the gifts of God that the people around us truly are. Because honor requires us to slow down. Honor at times even requires us to stop and to pause. Because at the speed that we often move at, we cannot see accurately. So honor as a lifestyle is really this invitation and this call to slow down and to begin to see not just what's ahead, but what's around us right now. Honor requires a different pace of life. Because if you noticed that instead of our culture, instead of being filled with honor, is filled with dishonor. Does anyone notice that? Right? From gossip magazines and talk shows and podcasts that literally highlight the weaknesses and failures of people. And the utter disregard in our society for family. God's design for the first team. Right? Our, our culture is filled. We do dishonor quite naturally, don't we? Dishonors become normal and expected in our society. But in the kingdom of God, honor is one of, if not the, highest value. Because Jesus told his disciples, and while the culture is doing this, it's to be different with you. The culture does this, but for you, it's to be different. In your heart and in your lifestyle. Because you see, it's not enough. Sometimes we think, we think doing it differently means to simply abstain from gossip, to abstain from slander, right, from hatred. But the Bible defines dishonor as, if you're taking notes, the Bible defines dishonor as to treat someone as common or to think lightly of them. The Bible defines dishonor as to treat someone as common or to think lightly of them, to not see them the way God sees them, to not celebrate them, to fail to recognize the potential in them. How easy is it to do that? That we often think dishonor, right, is this aggressive form of violence and hatred and talking slander and negatively about people. But in truth, in the, cult, in, in the, in the Bible, dishonor is to not celebrate, is to not speak highly of someone, to not show the same favor to them that the Lord shows. And the call for us is to begin to honor 
But it's incredibly hard. It's why we must see people in the spirit. Because if we only see people in the natural, we will build something in them and through them that is natural. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's natural. And our culture doesn't need any more of the natural. Amen? And so, but if we only see in the natural, we will automatically build according to what we see. And so we've got to be a people who begin to see the people around us, even the cities around us, the way God sees them. That they are worth celebrating. They're worth favor. They are worth honor. We've got to begin to be a people who don't just abstain from slander, but we are quick to celebrate. We're quick to speak highly of. We're quick to see accurately who God says that they are. But listen, even Jesus was dishonored in his hometown. In Mark 6, I love this. It's incredibly uh, challenging, but Mark 6, 1 through 5. It says that Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and to heal them. Here's what's shocking to me. I would have been okay if he had said, hey, because of their unbelief, because of their, their, their dishonor, I'm not going to do any miracles. Right? Because of the way they're treating me, because of the way they're viewing me and my disciples, I, it's just not worth it for us to do anything. I won't do miracles. But that's not what it says. It says because of their dishonor, Jesus could not do many miracles. Jesus was restrained. The intention of God, the desire of God in that town was restrained because of dishonor. Right? They treated him as common and lightly. And Jesus could not do was held back from doing. How do you think in his own hometown how much more he wanted to let them experience the goodness of God? How much more his people, his family, his tribe, his neighbors, the people he grew up with, how much more do you think he longed for them to all be healed, for those dead to be raised, for those people to be restored and reconciled to God? But he literally could not because of dishonor. Because they saw him as common. In 1 Samuel 2.30 it says this. It says, I will honor those who honor me. But I will despise those who think lightly of me. As you scan the gospels, you'll find people who receive partial blessing, full blessing, sometimes no blessing at all. All based on a level of their honor towards Jesus. Right? Dave's been talking about it for years. That the honor is the mechanism for inheritance, but we don't often think that dishonor sometimes can create this wall for us not to get all that God has for us, for us to miss moments that God's wanting to do something big, but because we see it as common, we're going to miss what God wants to do. We've got to begin to see as he does and honor as he does. It's not that Nazareth couldn't recognize the greatness in Jesus. They saw it and were amazed. They just couldn't receive from it. 
isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't that just Mary's son? Like we know him. Like we remember seeing him running down the street. We remember, we know who he is. Some of us changed his diaper. Like we know this is just Jesus the carpenter. What they're saying is he doesn't have the qualifications to speak into this area. He doesn't have the qualifications to do what he says he's supposed to do. And so they only saw him as a carpenter. And so they could not receive from Rabbi Jesus because they only saw him as carpenter Jesus. They only saw him as common. And so they didn't get healed. Those dead didn't get raised. Right? Those marriages didn't get restored because they dishonored, because they saw him as common. Do we see people around us as common? Are there people in your life, are there people in our lives right now that we see as common? Do we see ourselves as common? Do we see our families as common? Do we see our jobs as common? Do we see our schools as common? Do we see our city as common? Of Greenville, of Dothan, right? Of the Wiregrass area, do we see it as common? In our launch team that's going to plant Hope Church Greenville, we have, like Jamie and I, we have people who move to the city on the word of the Lord. We had people who moved to Greenville because the Lord told them from Chattanooga, moved on a Thursday. Our first intrasocial was on a Sunday. So three, day, three days after they moved, they came to our first intrasocial. They're now one of the most foundational parts of our launch team. We have people who moved 10 years ago for the word of the Lord and in, in some ways have been in this waiting season and the Lord's brought them to the launch team. But more impressed with that, more impressed am I is with people on our launch team who they've been in Greenville for three generations. Their grandparents are from Greenville. And yet those guys have taken on new eyes to see their very city and to not see it as common. If anybody would have a natural right to see it as common, it's those couples, it's those families. And they're refusing to. They're refusing to see their city as common. And they're seeing it with new eyes as the same as people coming in fresh. And that is incredible to me. Like the story of Nehemiah, which we know and love. It's one of my favorites. So he's asked about the city of Jerusalem, and the report is this. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. And so his response is, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Here's the interesting part. 141 years before Nehemiah wrote this, the Babylonians had come in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And here's what's also interesting. For nearly 100 years, a remnant of God's people had been back in Jerusalem, and Nehemiah could have joined them at any time. But see, this wasn't new news for Nehemiah. Of course, he knew that the city was in shambles. He knew the walls needed to be rebuilt. But this time, when Nehemiah heard the news, something transpired, and he began to see what God saw about his city. And in natural, nothing had changed. 141 years ago, those walls had been torn down. A hundred years ago, people had already moved back trying to do what they could. But when he heard the news, something changed in his heart because he began to see Jerusalem as God saw Jerusalem, who she was always supposed to be. He stopped seeing her maybe as common and began to see her with honor. And we know the rest. This Dothan, this is where I'm from. It will always, that's how it works. It will always be where I'm from. And I'm so thankful of that and proud of that. 
And you, if you know me at all, you know that I, I don't take it very lightly when people talk negatively about my town. Um, but I want to say this, as someone who's from here, that there, I believe that there is a spirit who has the assignment to convince the people of God that Dothan and the Wiregrass area are common. I believe that there is a spirit that is assigned to convince the people of God in the Wiregrass area and in Dothan that this place is common. Because he knows if he can do that, he knows that God will not be able to accomplish what he really wants to accomplish in this city. Because if we don't see it accurately, who will? God is looking to and fro over all the earth for talented people, for skilled people, no, for faithful people. People who are faithful to not just do what he asks, but to see what he sees. Jesus walked the earth, right? He said, I only say what I hear the Father saying, I only do what I see the Father doing. So for us, the call is to begin to see our lives and to see the people around us and to see the cities that God himself has planted us in. That you're not here by mistake. That we are not in Greenville by mistake. That the Lord is an intentional God and has a plan A. And the Lord, unlike anyone else, refuses to give up on his plan A. He does not, we should stop calling it plan A. It's just his plan. Because he doesn't have plan B and plan C. The Lord will continue to fight and calls us to continually fight to get back to the garden. To get back to the original intention of God. And God has plans for Dothan, the wiregrass area, and the Father does not see this area as common, so who are we to? So if we will start to honor what God is doing in our city and continue to, I believe we'll begin to see what he sees. We'll begin to dream fresh again about our cities and what God's wanting to do, what's really happening beneath the surface, what we really need to go against. Right, the spiritual forces that are really at work, what God's really wanting to do in this city, the name that he's really given this city, the song that's supposed to come forth from this city, the nations that are supposed to be transformed from this city. But we have to begin to see her as God sees her. So let me end with a few truths about honor. Number one, honor is cultivated. If you're taking notes, honor is cultivated. To cultivate means to prepare the soil with the expectation of getting a harvest. To cultivate means to prepare the soil with an expectation of getting the harvest. Right? So some of us are great at planting seeds. But I think the Lord wants to challenge us to begin to see ourselves as he sees us. That when we plant seeds, he honors it. So let's start planting seeds with expectation in our cities. Because honor doesn't happen accidentally, does it? It's intentionally. Like on the most practical way, when you, when you see a, a military personnel at the airport and you want to go say thank you for your service, you made a choice to walk over there and to say thank you for your service for us and for our country. Honor is intentional. We have to decide to sow seeds of honor in how we th- think and treat those people around us. If we sow honor, we'll reap honor. If we sow honor, we'll reap honor. Have you ever met people who always feel dishonored by others? Is it possible that they haven't sown much honor? It's tough, but it's true. We have to be a people who sow seeds of honor in our city. And when the the city around us and the media and whatever else may be is saying one thing, that we are committed to say what God says about our city. Even if we don't see it in the natural, we sow seeds of honor with our lips, 
with our attitudes, with our actions. So honor is cultivated. Number two, honor is commanded. All through the Bible, we're commanded to honor people, parents, those in authority, elderly, everyone. Romans 12.10, it says, to love each other with genuine affection and to take delight in honoring each other. Delight in honoring one another. Romans 13.7, give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Ephesians 6, 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. I love that. And if we're still not sure if that one's still important, here's what I love. I just saw this for the first time not long ago. But when Jesus was on the cross, he made, I think it was seven statements, seven specific things that Jesus said when he was on the cross. And one of them was, of all the things, of seven things, one of them was he looked at John and said, John, you take care of my mother. So if we don't think that commandment is serious or just applies to children, and seven things, Jesus looked at John and said, John, you take care of my mother. And the interesting point is, if I'm not mistaken, that John was the last living disciple. And I think maybe because he had the assignment to now take care of Jesus' mother. So we, we honor all the days of our life. Honor is the vehicle to our inheritance. What that means is that we get to ride on the backs of those who have gone before us. We don't have to climb the same mountains or fight the same wars. We get to enjoy the fruit of their labor when we honor. How we honor those who have paid a price determines a level of blessing that we walk in on the earth. Number three, honor is humility in action. Luke 14, when Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat, then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is teaching some lessons on humility here. Don't think that once you walk in, you are the most important. Be quick to think of others before you think of yourself. Let the Lord appoint you. Don't appoint ourselves. Humility is the choice to forgo your status and deploy your resources for the sake of others before using them on yourself. As we go into Greenville, we're so in awe of what God is doing in that city, right? Of what God is doing in our cities and our region. And we're so in awe of that this thing is not about us. It's not about DCF. It's not about Hope Church. It's about the kingdom of God and what he is doing. And by the grace of God, he's invited us to play a part. We get to be at the table in the presence of our enemies as we see the gates of hell fall in our cities. We get to be a part, whatever role that is. But we're so grateful and thankful and honored that we get to be a part at the table of God as he brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we get to serve our city with that agenda. So what humility in action looks like, 
asking questions, acts of service, words of affirmation, celebrating the success of others, preparing seats of honor for other people. You see, we don't have to honor ourselves. The Lord will do that. We get the joy of honoring other people. Our lives should be dedicated to lifting those around us up and let the Lord lift us up when it's our time. Right? But if we're so busy, if I'm so busy appointing myself and creating a position and a place and a, and a well-being for myself, I have no space to honor those around me. And the Lord's placed me on earth to honor and to lift up those around me. The way oftentimes that I bring heaven to earth is I see people as heaven sees them and I treat them as heaven wants to treat them. And in those moments, heaven comes to earth. Heaven comes to earth just means earth looks like heaven in that very moment. When someone's healed, heaven's coming to earth because in heaven, that leg isn't broken. Right? And so when we honor, I'm telling you, when we honor, we bring heaven to earth. Because we co-labor with what the Holy Spirit is doing and seeing this moment, this person, in this circumstance, they're going to know what heaven feels about them. They're going to know how heaven sees them. They're going to know just how valuable they are even though they don't see themselves that way. And all of a sudden, in that moment, earth looks exactly like heaven does. And we get the joy of doing that in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and in the nation. So we've got to begin to developing a culture of honor where we see our family accurately, where we see our church accurately, where we see our cities accurately, right? Because if we'll do that, I believe we'll begin to see the things that have been in our hearts for a long time begin to transpire in our cities, the things we've been dreaming about for decades. In Dothan, people, prayer warriors have been praying for what they've seen God want to do for decades. And if we can begin to align with our prayers, our eyes, and begin to see in the Spirit our city and begin to refuse to back down, to refuse to see our city as common, even though everyone around us will, that we will refuse to see that neighborhood as common. We refuse to see that leader as common. We will begin to see, I believe, what God wants to see. Because Dothan is filled with faithful people who will do, who will, at the mention, a whisper from the Lord, will move and adjust. We've got to begin to see what the Lord sees. Because there's another level he's calling us to, to honor. A higher level of honoring our city and our state, our, our, our nation and the nations accurately. But we have to be people who are committed to see first. But if we'll see, the people of God will obey. And we will see revival come to our cities. Not revival that can be contained in a Sunday morning, which I love a Sunday morning revival. Come on, somebody. But we'll see revival that our our city cannot deny. We will see revival that's marked by our schools, by the marriages, by the poor and the lack of poor in in our cities of seeing true transformation, not at our own hands, but the hands of a loving God who sees our cities as beautiful, as worthy of the kingdom of God coming and being manifested. Amen? It's good news. God has good things for our cities. Hey, if you don't mind, if you'll stand with me, and let's just pray for a second.
Mm. Let's do a couple things. If we can, um, let's just extend our hands and let's just bless, let's bless Dothan. I know everybody in this room may not be from Dothan. Let's just bless Dothan and the Wiregrass area. So Jesus, we say that you love this city, that Dothan is a city that you love. The Wiregrass area is a city you have always loved. We say, Holy Spirit, you have been present here since day one. Come let us go to Dothan. You have been present here, working and doing things. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and align our hearts and our eyes with what you see in our city? Come and awaken our hearts to what you're seeing in our cities. Jesus, you love this area. You have good intentions for this area, Lord Jesus. You see divorce rates dropping in Dothan. Lord, you see, Lord, abortion rates dropping in Dothan, Lord. You see poverty rates dropping in Dothan. You see healthy marriages exploding. Lord, you see healthy families exploding. Lord, you see incredible educational systems, Lord. You see incredible creative networks, Lord God, being birthed from here, Lord. Lord, giving insight into how God really views the creative. Lord, you see small businesses thriving here. Lord, you see people having a voice here. You, Lord, see appropriate recognition of gender here. Lord, you see racial diversity here, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, would you come and give us your eyes to see our city. Lord, we submit what we see in the natural to what you see. Come, Lord God, and begin to give us new eyes for the wildgrass area, Lord God. Yes, Jesus, come and bring revival, Lord, to our city. Come and bring revival. Take that what is natural, Lord, and turn it upside down, Lord God, and bring what only you can bring. Because those in the wiregrass area need what only the Father can bring. Lord, they need something that only you can do. They need something that only happens when the Father shows up. Lord, they need healing. They need restoration, Lord. They need breakthrough. They need generational cycles of poverty broken off. Generational cycles of sin and destruction broken off, Lord God. And you are the only one who can do that. And so come, Holy Father, and bring revival to the city that Dothan and the Wiregrass area would begin to look like heaven looks like. In Jesus' name, come and increase healing. Come and increase, Lord, restoration. Lord, continue to bring the prodigals home, Lord God. Continue to bring reconciliation in this city, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord. Come and have your way in our cities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good news, guys. It's good news. Mm. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for loving the Sharps well. And please know that as as Greenville, as God moves forward in Greenville, South Carolina, it is to your credit. So thank you so much. Hear him. Yeah, we just, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, gosh, we love Andrew and Jamie and the kids. Um, uh, so I'll have my moment uh, here with us. Um, but we love them. And uh, what a great message today. And so we just... We honor you guys tremendously, Andrew. We love you guys. Um, and Jamie, I was going to say, where's my face? I was going to say, where'd you go? So we love you guys so much and all the kids. Um, thank you so much, y'all. Have a great week. And um, 
we look forward to seeing y'all again. And if you're in-house, I'm sorry for, to those of you who are watching online, but for those of you who are in-house, as you are making your way out the door, we have a special treat for you in celebrating Jamie and Andrew and their family being with us today. So grab you an ice cream. And so parents, you can choose whether you let your kids have one or not. But I'm just going to tell you, don't be a party pooper, okay? Don't do it. Don't do it. So.